Hi everyone, this is Lee with One New Man Ministries. I'm here with Jerry and Bob and One New Man Ministries is a ministry of reconciliation. We are discussing and learning from the Bible, the Old Testament, which and the New Testament, which all point to Yeshua, HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, as our personal Savior and as the Savior for all of us, and that in Him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. And our goal is to bring all believers together in, in, in Yeshua's holy name and that we've all been saved through the grace of by the grace of God through faith in Yeshua and today what are we talking about Jerry our Torah portion is found in Numbers chapters 14 and 15 it's the sad story of Israel's failure to go up when God told them it was time to take the promised land they sent out 12 spies, one for each tribe. Ten came back and said, there's giants in the land. We regret like grasshoppers in their eyes. There's no way we can do this. Joshua and Caleb came back and said, yeah, there's big people there, but God's on our side. We can do it. We can do it. Uh, they said, everybody said it was a great land, even the ten spies with the bad report. Uh, it's overflowing with milk and honey. There's, there's grapes and there's pomegranates and there's figs. There's all good stuff, but, but, but there's giants. And Joshua and Caleb basically said, but God's on our side. Israel believed the ten, and we can see from you know, the chapters leading up to it why they would go down that road. They'd been rejecting God in a variety of ways all along. And so this was just one more incident of their rejection of his word, of his promises. And the uh, portion includes how they disobeyed. They, after after uh, Moses interceded for them and the Lord said, okay, I won't wipe them all out right now, but uh, they're going to wander around. Then they said, oh, well, we, we were wrong. We're going to go up. And Moses said, don't do it. God's not with you. They disobeyed again. They were defeated again. Uh, but it ends on a very interesting note. We'll come back to that uh, towards the end of our time. Uh, but the uh, Haftorah portion, the reading from the, the prophets, is from Joshua chapter 2. And it tells the story of how they sent spies up again, just a couple of spies this time. You remember that story, how they went and they crossed over into Jericho and Rahab hid them and they promised that uh, she and her household would be saved as long as they hung the red cord outside of her window and of course that is highly symbolic of the uh, blood of the sacrifice of Yeshua that uh, saves all of us uh, but I wanted to start with the New Testament portion which is found in Hebrews chapter 3 and the whole book of Hebrews is dedicated to one basic idea that the uh, Jewish people who were coming to faith in Jesus were also being pressured in a variety of ways to return to their previous practice, to temple religion, to uh, the sacrifices as laid out in, in the law, uh, to, to uh, return from following Yeshua. You know, the early, the early believers uh, being Jews were actually considered a sect of Judaism at the time. They were called the way, followers of the way. And so these followers were being pressured to give up the way and to return to basically, well, I guess we would call temple Judaism. And so the, the writer to Hebrews, uh, it may very well have been Paul, but it is anonymous. We don't know for sure. But the writer to Hebrews has one basic goal, and that is to convince his readers that in every conceivable way, Yeshua is better. He's better than the angels. He's better than uh, Moses. He's better than Aaron. He is... Uh, one of Lee's favorite verses is he's the exact imprint of God, right? He is the son who has come to bring us all to the Father. And so... 
he, Hebrews chapter 3 is, is focused on this incident in our Torah portion, the rebellion in the wilderness. And he begins it by quoting from Psalm 95, which is called a Psalm of David. And David is writing in this psalm an interesting uh, psalm. It seems to be talking about proper worship. And it talks about bowing before the Lord. It talks about shouting before the Lord. And then it, it has this hard turn to talk about disobedience and using the people in the wilderness as an example, uh, as a negative example, don't be like this. And I, I often think that there is a uh, worship that is uh, involved that goes beyond what we normally call worship. Because if this is a worship psalm, and then what he's really talking about, obedience, is a form of worship. And so the writer to Hebrews uses this uh, psalm to introduce this section. Uh, <clears throat> let me kind of take a running jump at it because it, starting with the word therefore, it means it's connected to the idea that was just before. He says in verse 5, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. So here's that, that example that uh, Yeshua is greater, in this case greater than Moses. Moses was a faithful servant, but Yeshua, Messiah, is faithful as a son. And we are his house. So Moses was over the house of God, uh, the tabernacle, and the people. Uh, now Yeshua is over us as God's house. We are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So just stopping right there, it's interesting that David observed, and this is a thousand years before the writer of Hebrews, David observed that generation and said, they are people who always go astray and they don't know my ways, which is pretty striking. How, do, how, how did that people, being led out of Egypt, being led through the Red Sea, being led to Mount Sinai, seeing what they saw at Sinai, getting manna every day, how did they not know his ways? How did they not know his ways? So it's something for us to consider because they're being held up, up to us as a negative example. Don't be like this. So we need to take heed and maybe think not be so judgmental, I guess is the way I would put it, because it's very possible that it could happen to us. And indeed, that's the framework that he's working with uh, in writing to the Hebrews. This happened to them. I don't want it to happen to you, right? If we hold our confidence and our boasting. Take care, brothers, in verse 12, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Just a quick observation. Look how important it is to be in a community of brothers. Amen. Exhort everybody. Exhort one another. Encourage one another. We need to be around one another enough to know when we're going off track and to have somebody close by who can say, Right. You're... And what Falling Le off. And what Lee just mentioned a little bit ago is about the deceitfulness of sin. Mm -hmm. How it can deceive, deceive or turn your, your heart away from what is right. And then what usually follows that would, would be pride. And that has a, the scripture says how pride has a, uh, the ability to blind you. Right. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a downward course, like you said. It's a negative example of what not to do. He says, exhort each other as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So I just want to stop there for a second. Uh, this idea of today. Today is really all we have, right? The past is gone and the future is not promised to anybody. Isn't that a saying? Something like that? 
And to, you know, uh, we hear a lot about people say, you know, we need to learn to live in the moment. Uh, it really goes beyond cliche, I think. You know, there is today. Today is the day of reckoning. Today is the day of accountability. Today is the day not to harden our hearts. Today, he says there, today, he says in verse 13, and he repeats the, the psalm again uh, today. And I'm reminded of that moment in Luke chapter 4 when Yeshua comes into the synagogue and he is handed the, the Isaiah scroll and he opens up and he says the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news to proclaim liberty to the captive, sight to the blind to declare the year of the Lord's favor and then he rolled up the scroll they put it back in the, in the, in the ark and he sat down to teach and he said, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today. Well, what, what was different about that day? Yeshua was there. Yeshua, whose name means salvation. Yeshua says all this great promise of spiritual jubilee, right? We talked about jubilee a couple weeks ago. The, the, the jubilee is here. The, 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 the year of the Lord's favor the year of rest, the year of, of enjoying uh, return to, to freedom for those who've been enslaved, the return of property, all these things that were entailed, the, the spiritual reality of, of all of those things is now embodied before them in Yeshua. Today it's fulfilled in, in, your, in your presence. So the call is to us for... Uh, acting today and the issue is then whether or not we will enter the rest because he goes on who were those who heard and yet rebelled was not all those who left Egypt led by Moses with whom was he provoked for 40 years was it not with those who sinned whose bodies fell in the wilderness and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest but to those who were disobedient and so he what we're meant to see here from that sentence is that the movement from from slavery through the wilderness to the promised land is a movement from slavery to rest and it is often interpreted in our Christian understanding as a movement from this pilgrim life to eternal rest in heaven I think that's one way to understand it but I don't think that's the primary interpretation. The rest that he's talking about is the rest that we enter into in Yeshua. Yeshua himself is the promised rest. Today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. I'm here. Me. Yeshua. Salvation in the flesh, right? So, when he is saying here they would not enter his rest, for us as as New Covenant followers, the rest that he's talking about directly is entering into rest in Yeshua, entering into rest in his finished work, entering into rest in his uh, promise to be with us, entering into the rest that, um, that we are now being built uh, into God's holy temple. All of, all of those things that we talk about. They couldn't enter rest because they were disobedient, so that they see, we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. So we have talked, and I'd like to have the discussion again, uh, about the connection of obedience and faith and uh, how those two things together. Lee, you had some, some thoughts about Bonhoeffer, I think. Well, um, you know, it's slavery is in a physical sense they were freed from slave Yeshua came to free us from the slavery of sin and um, basically it's through faith belief in him as the propitiation the once and for all atonement that he paid the price through his death and his blood for our sin that we can be resurrected as he was into new life and so you know that is that requires a belief people have to choose to believe that 
and that is the hope you know it says here it says we are his house if we hold firm the confidence and the pride that belong to hope mm-hmm. that is the hope that we hold on to and you know when it talks about here hardening your hearts it says it three times do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion it says um in verse take eight. care mm-hmm. yeah in verse eight three eight it says take care brothers and sisters that none of you may have an evil unbelieving heart so what's hardening heart having an evil unbelieving heart that turns away from the living god but exhort one another every day as long as it's called day so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin mm-hmm. and then it says today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion so it really it seems that the deceitfulness of sin and is and is really the where what hardens our heart and it has us turn away from the living God and away from a belief faith and hope and the confidence that we have in that hope that allows us to grow in faith and grow in obedience mm-hmm. amen what do you think Bob well I think it goes in line with what we're just going to read here it says you may remember all the Lord's commands and obey them and not become unfaithful by following your own heart and your own eyes. Your your natural heart with your own heart and your own eyes will usually deceive yourself. I mean, if you follow your own inclinations that you're born with, you will you will lead to disobedience and away from God. So so when Jerry just mentioned today, right now, is is the time to, to look to Jesus or Yeshua and, and and give yourself to him. You know, in, 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 in what we're reading in Numbers, you see how this was set up because last week we talked about the murmuring, you know, where they were like, oh, this, we're sick of this manna, you know, give us some flesh, you know, and, and, uh, and, and what resulted from that. And, and now, you know, here we are this weekend, they send the spies and Caleb and Joshua come back and say, oh, this is the land of milk and honey, the promised land. God has promised he's going to deliver us. Have faith. We can do it. But the people didn't have faith and they didn't trust in the Lord, despite all the miracles they had seen, you know, the the Red Sea, the manna, I mean, mm-hmm. all the miracles. A, a lot of a lot of times, um, a heart can be deceived by worshiping other gods, and that's what they were doing for 400 years. The Israelites were, and when they're in the land of Egypt, so they had a lot to overcome. Not only were they slaves, they were worshiping other gods, and and they, you know, made that trek through that three months in the wilderness until they came. And but when they met God in the bellowing voice at Mount Sinai and saw all the things that were happening, they still didn't believe. So it says here that hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So it's like the deceitfulness of sin leads to an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. And it's why obedience and faith and Bonhoeffer talks about how when we have faith, okay, which requires a choice because God gave us free will, a choice to believe in God, to believe in his plan for redeeming a people, to believe in the Bible as the handbook for how to live a healthy, fulfilled human life for life, which is Yeshua is life. He came to overcome death. He is life. And if we believe this and we study this and we put our faith in it, then we will want to obey. And when we obey, it will strengthen our faith. And then we will want to obey. And, and, and this is what Bonhoeffer says. There are two wheels on the same bicycle, obedience and faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as I was listening that it is 
the same thing that James is talking about, faith and works. Obedience is, is the work of, of, of faith, really. It is, uh, if, if you really believe it, you'll do it, right? So that uh, faith without works is dead. And it's that idea that you can have a set of ideas that we call a religious doctrine. You can have that in your head, but if it doesn't bring you to um, the person behind the doctrine, right? Because what we have faith in is not the statements about Jesus, but we have faith in Jesus. Now, we want to make sure that we are following the correct Yeshua by checking out the statements about him. There are statements about him that he is the second person of the Trinity, that he is God in the flesh, that he is the propitiation for our sins, that he is more than just a role model. He is the sacrifice that, that cleanses us. The, you know, so we want to believe the right things about Jesus. That's the, 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 the doctrines. That's true. But we don't have faith in the doctrines. We have faith in Yeshua. And I think that that's what James is maybe talking about to a degree and Bonhoeffer too. And, and especially when you think of the history of, of Western Europe and how the church declined through the state churches and a variety of other ways, that people showed up in church and didn't really have faith in Yeshua. So that uh, it's, it's kind of like the old, <laughs> old uh, just because I go to Wrigley Field where the Cubs play doesn't make me a Cub. <laughs> well, you know, right? I, I, think, I think the, uh, the modern, you know, promise land that, you know, people are looking for and whether they have faith that God will deliver them into the promised land is a big challenge for the modern mind because we do get stuck in our works, you know, that, oh, I'll work my way there, my, our prideful discipline, you know, our mm -hmm. works mentality, you know, and, and, and even obsessive compulsive, you know, I'm going to work, I'm going to work till I get to the promised land. And, you know, we, we have covetousness or we have idols and money, materialism, whatever it is, fame, status, you know, and, and, and we put our belief and faith in something. To, so to, for people who say, oh, I'm not going to believe in the myth of the Bible or the myth of a God, you know, of the God, the creator of the universe who knows me personally and can count, knows how many hairs are on my head, which is what the Bible says, you know, but the point is, is it does take a choice to believe, right? We've been, by grace, we have been saved through Amen. faith mm -hmm. and faith is belief strengthened by confidence and hope and it also is strengthened by the consequences of obedience when we are obedient we see God's blessings on our lives you know and and that's how those things play out and you know it's very hard in life when we're going through the valley of the shadow of death not to fear, you know, evil, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's a hard place to be in faith. It's easy to have doubt in that m moment, you know, and here they are. They're in the desert. They're getting ready to go in the land, you know, the report is they're Nephilim there, you know, the Malachites, you know, they're these huge giants and, you know, the fortified cities, we can't face them. And what did Dr. Lee, he's, he says, we magnify our problems, we don't magnify God. So instead of saying what a big problem we have, we should say what a big God we have. Amen. And that, and that is, you know, we all tend to magnify our problems and then to fall back on our own works, you know, and, 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 
and it erodes our faith. We, it's pride. We, we fall back on our prideful <clears throat> discipline or, you know, works mentality. And I think when a person accepts Christ, that he becomes the Lord your God. He puts that he's yours. You know, he's the creator and ruler of the universe is now on your side. He's, he will fight your battles. So that's, that's very comforting to know. And then that, restless, that restlessness that's inside your heart is now gone and the peace comes in. And I think evidence of a changed heart is, is everything that I rely on, on the confidence and the faith that, that I have. I think a lot of it comes all the way back around to where do we place Yeshua in those times of trouble and hardship and do we you know there's there, there's so many places in in the new covenant where it talks about uh set your mind on things above where christ dwells uh make christ dwell in your hearts uh even later on in hebrews after that great recitation of all the heroes of faith we're talking about faith what does he say looking to jesus the author and perfecter of our faith right Set your, set your sights on Yeshua. There's an old, old uh, illustration that uh, preachers sometimes use. You know, have you ever held your thumb up to the sun? And you can block out the sun with your thumb, right? In reality, the sun is so much greater than your thumb, but perspective changes that. And that is what our troubles compared to Jesus is like. So that's kind of what Dr. Lee is talking about, too. Which one are we going to magnify? Which one will we focus on? If we focus our perspective on our thumb, yeah, I can blot out the sun. If I focus my perspective on my troubles, I can let them blot out Yeshua. But if I focus on Yeshua, then he overshadows everything else. A big amen. <laughs> and, you know, he, he had perfect faith because he was in the Father as the Father was in him. There was no doubt you know, and we talked about, you know, does faith mean you don't have doubt? No. <laughs> it never means that. But what, what what's your line you like to say? Uh, so, so I stole this from Pastor Greg Brinson of London Bridge Baptist Church. He might have stolen it from someone. I don't know. <laughs> Preachers but, are notorious borrowers. <laughs> he said... He said Doubt is not the absence of faith. Faith is the remedy for doubt. Yes. And faith is like a muscle, you know, that when you, when you build it up, when you're obedient and you, and you read the word and you're in the word and you strengthen your confidence and hope in God and in the word and in Yeshua, it is the remedy for doubt. Amen. You know, and, and we're all going to be faced with doubt, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's what you choose to empower. We kind of have an interesting example to us to think about in the story from Numbers to maybe kick this around a bit. But when it comes to faith and obedience... What, what is it exactly about Joshua and Caleb that's different about the ten? Good question. You know, I like, I like Joshua. You know, he, I think God groomed Joshua from the beginning. You know, think about his life. He was in Egypt as a, as a slave. He, he saw all the plagues of Egypt. He was uh, in the wilderness for three months for, with, with Moses and the people of Israel. He saw all the things that happened, this party of the Red Sea, um, all, the, all the things that got the manna, the, uh, all the things that unfolded before his eyes that he saw God. But the other ten that were, that were going in to, to inspect the promised land, they didn't see God in those, on all those miracles all that time. So like, like the Bible says that he, God gave, or uh, Caleb and, and Joshua had a different spirit within them. But, but even though they had the, the same ten that saw everything they saw, they didn't see the, they didn't see it in the same way. Well, and I think that that's a, an important 
verse there where it says that he had a different spirit. And it just right. has, actually, that one's talking about Caleb, because you, you focused on Joshua. Caleb didn't have that front row seat that Joshua did in, 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 in the same way. Right. And yet he, ha he was of a different spirit than the ten, right? Right. So that there's some work of God that goes on in people uh, <laughs> that uh, we have to recognize that is according to God's eternal providence, uh, that even within the chosen people, there's a remnant that belongs to God, and there are others who are not faithful, right? Right. So, uh, Go ahead. So Numbers 14, starting with 6, it says, And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were of them that spied out the land, rent their clothes. And they spoke unto all the congregation, the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it unto us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is removed from over them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they want to stone them. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, so it's really interesting when you look at uh, the Haftor, which is the book of Joshua and what Rahab says about why she comes to believe in God of the you know the God yes. of the Israelites the fear of Yahweh has has spread ahead of you right and you know she says oh this is the God who's you know split the Red Sea so there's an interesting question to ask. Why why didn't they have the fear of the Lord? And there's right there sitting on it. And, you know... That's a good point. The, the reality is... We, we look at, at the Hebrews and say, Oh, how could they miss it? We look at the Pharisees and other people of Jesus and say, Oh, how could they miss it? The, the reason they missed it is because they were human beings just like us. Yep just like us and before God opened our eyes we were missing it too isn't that the truth That's the I truth. still miss it some days <laughs> I mean you know it's not it's not like oh you know I don't have the deceitfulness of sin at work in me and that the enemy doesn't you know try to sometimes tempt me and deceive me and accuse me and, and work against me and it's where I have to draw my faith Right? I mean, Amen. we all have to. This is a, it's a war we're and going through. And it's today. And it's today. No matter how well we might have done yesterday, it's we've got to deal with it today. It's constant right? on every detail. That's because God saw that the intention of the thoughts of man was only evil continually. He knows that that this is a war we're at. And this is why he's given us the Holy Spirit to be in our heart, to lead us, to teach us, to convict Amen. us, to guide us. You know, we need, you were asking, Jerry, when we were talking earlier about the tzitzit, you know, what are the can, modern day Yeah, tzitzit? can we hold off on that discussion yeah. just a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we, I, I definitely want to come back to that. And Bob okay. already kind of quoted that. The capstone verse but I just want to stay on what, what we're talking about here the daily issue um, I, I was quickly trying to find the reference in um, I'm pretty sure in second in first Corinthians chapter 2 yeah um, why why we missed it and why we can still miss it um, Paul writes this, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. 
that is to those who have received God's Spirit. That's the thrust of that word that he's using there. The natural person, that is the person outside of Yeshua, the person who has not put their trust in the Lord, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually understood. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one, for he who has for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Obviously nobody. But we have the mind of Messiah. Amen. But we are not perfected yet ourselves. And so in this passage, the enemy is not only the enemy, the devil, the enemy coming at us in the spiritual warfare area, but we need to always recall that one of our enemies is our own flesh, our own naturalness. And remember, the natural man does not receive things of the Spirit of God. So we have that today choice, which mind to apply in any given situation. Are we going to go natural or are we going to go spiritual? Are we going to be Christ-minded or are we going to be Jerry or Lee or Bob-minded? That's right. Right? But, you know, I mean, and it's easy when you're on the mountaintop, you know, you know, when, when you know, you're in the land of milk and honey in the promised land, but it's hard when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, you know, mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, not to fear evil and not to try to fall back on your own works and your own trying to figure it out what's the best way to go and to have faith that God's going to bring you through that. So if we didn't bring it out before, then we want to bring it out now. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, where we were, verse 13, exhort one another every day. Folks, you need to be in a place with other believers where they can see you and help you. We need to be honest with our brothers and sisters. You know, I, I know that there's a popular Christian song out there. It's probably several years old by now. But uh, it talks about uh, taking off that mask, everything's fine, everything's okay, and really being honest and saying, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling with this or I'm struggling with that. Uh, because it is hard when you're going through it. And the fact is that we are called in a body. The fact is that God, Paul teaches clearly when one part suffers, we all suffer. And so you're suffering. You might suffer by going off and doing something, sinning against God in some way. That's not just a private affair. That affects the body. And so we need to be participating with one another uh, we need to have the encouragement of one another when, when things are hard and things do definitely get hard. I, everybody can attest to that. If, if yeah, And uh, Hebrews 3.19, it says, so, so we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Well, just how many... How many things can cause unbelief, Jerry? I mean, let's look at it. Some of our insecurities that we have within us can cause us unbelief. We can't. We, God might place a, a, a task on us or a job to us, and we say to ourselves, "I'm not strong in this area. Why, could, why would you want me to do this, God?" You know, question what his his, his mission for you. Mm -hmm. So, what 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 we just gotta conquer unbelief in whatever form it comes at you and if, if God uh, and that comes through faith and obedience that we talked about earlier I think right right so Lee you mentioned seat seat earlier and I want to set that up for the last part of what we're talking about can we, just before we get to that I just wanted to uh, read what Rahab said because you know it's so powerful as uh -huh. a re reflection of um of, faith of faith uh -huh. and here she's not an israelite and you know it's the same thing really that caleb and joshua said but in her own words so uh let me see do you have it's in joshua chapter two okay and she said so okay 
for it says and this starts on nine or eight and before they were laid down she came up unto them upon the roof and she said unto the men this is the two the spies that were sent into jericho that she hid on the roof i know that the lord hath given you the land and and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you for we have heard how the lord dried up the water of the red sea before you when you came out of egypt and what you did unto the two kings of the amorites that were beyond the jordan unto Sion and, and, and to og whom he utterly destroyed and as soon as we heard it our hearts did melt neither did there remain any more spirit in any man because of you for the Lord, your God, he is God mm-hmm. in heaven above mm-hmm. and on earth beneath. Mm-hmm. Now, therefore, I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that ye also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a true token. And then, you know, she goes on to ask to be spared. But, you know, it just is this incredible faith based on seeing okay some or hearing about these miracles and and it's really interesting when there are people who saw the miracles and they don't have faith so you know there there is something about our hearts that they're getting at here and that is where what are we empowering with our hearts? Are we empowering ourselves and deceitfulness of sin and unbelief and hardening our hearts? Or we are empowering what, what, what God says in Deuteronomy when he talks about the, the curses of disobedience. He says, all of these things are because you did not worship me with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things. We see what we're missing. We magnify our problem, not magnify mm. God. Yeah. Uh, some interesting things, what you said there. Uh, Jesus said to Thomas, uh, you have seen these things and believed. Blessed are those who will believe without seeing. So there's Rahab. But listen to this. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled but for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So her faith led her to action, right? So here again, James's discussion about faith and works going together. Uh, he's, he's, he's laid out Abraham as an example of one who had faith and works. Then he says... Uh, Abraham believed God. It was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by her works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. So she has become a paradigm of faith. Isn't that remarkable? Yes. In so many ways. A woman, a Gentile, but one who heard a report, believed it, the, the, the statements about it, but she went past just a mental ascent to action. That's real faith, right? Amen. That's real faith. Acting on what we say we believe. Here's a Gentile lady that had the faith, more faith in many times than, than the the people that saw all the miracles and was also in the genealogy of yeshua yes and the new covenant opens the in the, in the gospel of matthew there's rahab's name right in there absolutely so you know it's and it and it's interesting the genealogy of yeshua you could really say is a genealogy of faith you know it's like this distillation of faith mm-hmm. into the perfect faith of Yeshua because he was of perfect faith and that's why we can count on him in our troubles and why he's making intercession for us. Amen. 
Well, we could make this a plug for our audience to just go ahead and read the whole book of Hebrews because it's all about Yeshua. It's all about the wonderful ways in which he transcends uh, the old covenant uh, provisions, uh, transcends Moses as a prophet, as a leader, transcends the, the, the efficacy of those sacrifices. Jesus is transcendent for sure. Um, so I want to want to finish up. Maybe we have about 15 minutes left on our clock uh, with that discussion about tzitzit. And uh, I'm using a Hebrew word here. Tzitzit uh, is is uh, a, uh, a commandment to sew tassels onto uh, garments. And uh, we'll read that passage uh, in just a second. But leading up to that passage is this great failure to enter the promised land. Then God says to Moses, step aside while I destroy everybody. And Moses intercedes for them. And again, God relents and he says, okay, I'm not going to kill them, but they're all going to die in the wilderness and none of them are going to see my, my, uh, my promised land, uh, you know, everybody 20 years old and upwards. Uh, <clears throat> interesting point the rabbis bring out, and I hadn't thought of it, but it says uh, every, everybody 20 years old and upwards who was numbered, and the only people who were numbered were the fighting men of all the tribes except for Levi. So that's an interesting point that they make here, that the women <laughs> did not uh, die as a result of this. They lived out their natural lives. Anyway, uh, but the point is that after that failure, Moses intercedes, God relents. The people say, oh, we made a mistake. We're going to go up. And Moses says, don't do it because God's not with you. They go ahead and disobey God again. <clears throat> and then uh, after that, in chapter 15, you have an interesting discussion that starts to take place about uh, sacrifices and unintentional sins, uh, whether you sin unintentionally and don't observe the commandments. Um, and then uh, we have this very striking example of somebody who goes out and is picking up sticks on the Sabbath and they bring him to Moses and they say what should we do? Now here's a man who has broken one of the commandments one of the big ten and uh, it's by more than one witness it's in the face of several witnesses and Moses goes into the Lord and the Lord says, this one shall be put to death, stoned to death. So there's a severity uh, that's brought out in faithful keeping of the covenant. That God has been serious about all this all along. That um, he's provided the sacrifices that can uh, atone for when we... We sin unintentionally through some of our actions. Uh, we sin unintentionally uh, when we fail to take God into account in some of the things that we do. Uh, there's lengthy discussion in some of the rabbinic literature about unintentional sin that I don't want to get into here. But the point is that after all of these negative things that have taken place, the, the, the disobedience, the the, the discipline that's come as a result of it. Now this very striking example of, of a Sabbath breaker. All the commands that God has given. Here's what he says. The Lord said to Moses, this is chapter 15 of Numbers, verse 37. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel. Tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. Blue is always a color uh, to remind us of the heavenly places like the sky is blue. So this is God's residence. So we uh, look down at these tassels. It shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own ways. And that lead, that's, I think, what you were talking about with the deceitfulness of sin as we start to go down our own path and reject God's. So <clears throat> I've given you the tassels to look at so that you can remember the Lord's commands not to, to do them and not follow after your own heart and your own ways, which you are inclined to whore after. This is the English Standard Version. To whore after uh, the whole picture of marital faithfulness is used to describe God's relationship with Israel, right? Idolatry is adultery. So 
uh, our own ways become our idol and we whore after the things that we like to have we want to do that's what he's saying here so you shall remember this back to the tassels so you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God I am the Lord your God so here is you know in so many places this always comes back to this is what I did for you and to you for myself I brought you out of Egypt not so you could now just go run off willy-nilly and do whatever your own hearts desire is no I brought you out to be your God I brought you out because I want you to be holy like I'm holy. I want a people for myself that I can commune with, that we can be in a relationship together, right? To be intimate with. So the tassels are there now, sewn into the garments. We've had so many examples up to this point of failure to keep commandment. Here's what I want you to do to help you keep the commandments. I want you to have a physical reminder to look at to remind yourselves that I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be holy to me and that you would do what I want you to do rather than following after your own heart's desires. Now some people can look at that and say well that's really selfish of God that he wants us to do what he wants. Aren't my, I my own man? No, of course not. We are bought with a price. We are not our own. So the question I had for you guys and I want to kick it around again is we don't sew tassels on our garments, right? Are there things, physical, spiritual, what are the things that we need to do as New Covenant people to have that reminder in our lives that the tassels were for these Old Covenant people? What is it that we do for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters as well that are moment by moment daily reminders of who we are why we're redeemed, who our God is, all those things wrapped up. Well, the tassels were a physical reminder of who God is, and then when you accept Jesus, that's a spiritual reminder full-time that, that he is in your heart and, and dwelling within us. Don't you think? Yes, I do. But now the point is, I committed myself to Yeshua over 50 years ago. I have an issue of today. So that's what, that's what I'm kind of asking. What are the things that we can set ourselves up to do, to think, to pray, to... I mean, some, some religious practice involves uh, praying rosary beads. Now, we may not agree with that practice, or maybe we do, but there's something in that physical reminder that ought to align us with God in some way right so I'm not suggesting that we all go out and get rosary beads or anything like that but there is there's something there 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 are things I think that we can put into practice that uh, serve like those tassels go ahead Lee so um, it's interesting I was sharing with you guys that I went to the Church of the Holy Apostles yesterday on Sunday um, and there, it's a Catholic church, an Episcopal church, and you know, being a Messianic Jew, not going to a lot of Catholic uh, services, I noticed that the priest held up the Bible like this, you know, like like the rabbis do the Torah. So, Hebrews chapter four twelve. Indeed, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before him no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. So I think that for me being in the word every day reading the word every day and definitely praying you know and and going to church but being in the word Amen. is my seat seat no doubt mm -hmm. okay yeah Pray, ahead, well, I, just just what he just said being in the word and praying together every day it keeps me straight it keeps my flesh at bay 
you know, my fleshly thoughts, whatever that is. It's, it's, and, and if I miss a day, I can feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, 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 you know, Jesus said he was going to ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit to, to, to be our comforter. Helper, but yes. our helper, but he also says that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He says the spirit of truth. The world does not know him and cannot receive him, but you know him. So when the Holy Spirit convicts us, when, if we are listening to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit convicts us in the moment, that should be our seat seat because like mm-hmm. you were saying jerry you can wear a seat seat and you know there are orthodox jews that wear seat seat still my question is you know are they remembering you know mm-hmm. the word and the law and you know are they being obedient with their heart are they remembering the deceitfulness of sin know because that's what the Holy Spirit's convicting us about the scripture that comes to mind in this discussion is in Colossians where he says let the word of Christ dwell in you richly he goes on to say then uh, teaching one another in psalms hymns and spiritual songs so that there's kind of a crossover in in that verse to me not just this written word of God that we have on the page, but we remember that this page that is the written word of God is a symbol, a a representation of the living word. And so when we say let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, uh, we're talking about letting Christ dwell in us richly, really. And then it immediately switches to a community kind of activity, encouraging one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs that one of the ways at least that tzitzit can be practiced among us is is in that uh, community of fellowship and worship and focus on the Word of God. The importance of daily practice uh, is, is a reality, but I think we have to understand that there are places in our world and there were times in our history where people didn't read, couldn't read, didn't have access to a written word and yet the commandment to them is the same and the Holy Spirit must intercede in some ways that are, are deeper than we as Americans can really understand I know I think because we had do have such access but to to receive this word it's got to be mixed with faith then though it, it, it we talked about this a little bit already really the, the there, there's faith in the object of our faith is Yeshua the doctrines about him, the words about him, lead us to the true knowledge of who he is, right? I think having, personally, having a, a regular, not just a prayer time, but I would call it a liturgy that we pray that addresses uh, all of the facets of, of, of uh, praying to God and talking to God. There's that simple simple uh, acronym of act adoration confession thanksgiving supplication supplication is that that telling god what i need and how much of our prayers is just supplication <laughs> you know so so that we 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 sort of need to discipline ourselves in those first three areas of adoring god confessing our sin giving thanks to god I think those are our daily practices that act like tzitzit to us. They ground us. For me personally, having something that I pray before I even put my feet on the floor in the morning, first thing I do in the morning is I remind myself who I am before God, right? And there's, there's, there's those little things that we can do for ourselves that, that keep putting us in remembrance. Well, you know... You I, score. Yeah, you score, and, <laughs> and you know... Um, the. In the wilderness, the dwelling place of the Lord was on the mercy seat, on the copperet, right? But now the dwelling place of the Lord is in our heart. And and when he says the spirit of truth, you know him for he dwells in you. And Billy Graham talks about walking in the spirit. Mm 
mm-hmm. and he talks about quenching the spirit by not having faith and grieving the spirit by being disobedient. So this is how it's all wrapped up is we're meant to walk in faith and we're meant to experience the rest that comes from happy obedience by walking in faith. Yes, amen. We want to encourage you to enter God's rest. God's rest is named Yeshua. If you don't know him and you're feeling restless, he can give your heart rest. A long, long time ago, a great Christian said, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, O Lord. And that's what we have been reading about and talking about today, really, is entering God's rest. God's rest is named Yeshua, the salvation of God. We want to invite you, if you don't know him, to discover who he is. The Bible teaches that he is the incarnate, that is, God in the flesh, the Son of God, who came for the purpose, as he said, he did not come to serve, but to, he did not come to be served, uh, which would have been his rightful place, but he came in order to serve and to give his life as a ransom for the many. So his life was given as the payment for your sin, your rebellion, your decision to go away from God. That's who Yeshua is. But he is also our high priest. And if you know Yeshua as your Savior, if you have begun to enter his rest, he says today, if you'll hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. That's what he says to us three. He says to you over over the radio, don't harden your hearts today, but continue to enter into his rest. Continue to come to him. Continue to look to your high priest who daily intercedes on our behalf. He says, come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace in your time of trouble. So we invite you like the scripture says, look to Yeshua, look to Yeshua. He is salvation. In whatever situation you find yourself in, look to Yeshua, turn to Yeshua. He is the way, the truth, the life. Thank you so much for joining us. We're One New Man Ministries. Uh, you can find us online at the number one newmanministries.org. Uh, we are also available now on podcasts. Uh, it is one spelled out, O-N-E, one new man ministries and we hope that you'll uh, share this with your friends if you've found this profitable and we uh, invite you to come back next sunday and join us again thank you and god bless you excellent